Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. So today we are wrapping up our series in Romans. This is, um, uh, we're going to be focusing in on Romans chapter 16. But I wanted, I'm curious uh, how many of you feel like this has been a really good season for you in terms of, of going through this series. Now, here's, here's one of the things that, like Ross, Wendy, and I, we are very prayerful about the content that we deliver here on a Sunday morning. We, are, we want to, to, to create a healthy diet for Scripture for you guys to learn from. We want to talk to the culture and how it applies to the Word. And, and uh, we also are, are um, interested in, in you know, knowing that there are, there are issues in your life that you would like us to speak to. And so um, we're trying to carefully bring content to you that that really helps you grow in your own spiritual journey. And so this is a little bit risky, but I'm going to try it out today. If you've been a part of this series and it has helped you grow in your spiritual journey, uh, then I'm going to ask you by a round of applause to to let me know. Um, So just put your hands together if you've really been blessed by this series. That's good. Thank you. Now. I'm glad that, uh, that that's true because we, we really do want to bring uh, quality content to you. And I know for me, this has been a, a fantastic series for us. And I apologize. I'm a little bit um, uh, scatterbrained right now because uh, Ian, who is our worship leader, uh, he challenged me this morning before everything started. He said, if you can get our congregation to say amen uh, during your message, then I'll buy you a coffee. And uh, I just realized I ran past my opportunity for you guys to uh, say amen. So can I get an amen? That's one coffee, Ian, you owe me. Um, and so I appreciate that. I'm letting you guys in on this moment so you can help me out because I need uh, coffee to, to survive. And so anyway, anyway, no, I appreciate, I appreciate that feedback. By the way, if you're online and uh, you're able to connect with us and, and you felt like this series has been meaningful for you, I encourage you to, to write in the chat. Just let us know that this has been a good series for you. We really want to connect with everybody in this church, whether you're here in person or online. And so uh, thank you for that. Let me, let me just open us up with a word of prayer uh, as we begin this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we are so thankful for the way that you communicate to us and with us. We're thankful for the word that you give us, not only your son, but also the Holy Bible. We're thankful that we can grow from it and learn from it and and apply it to our lives. And as we do, we experience uh, the goodness that you bring to us through that growth and maturity. And so this morning, I pray that as we open up this word, that you would be with us, meet with us, speak to us, Holy Spirit, challenge our hearts and our minds and the way that we think. Lord, we do ask for renewal of ourselves, that we might experience what it means to draw closer to to you and to be transformed as we are in your presence. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 
So as I said, we're going to be in Romans chapter 16. This is the final uh, chapter of, of this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. We're going to be focusing primarily on uh, verses 17 through 20. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, and I always encourage folks to, to open their Bibles and read through along with me and to highlight verses that are really important to you or uh, maybe to make notes in your margins. Uh, I think it's a really important thing to do so you can go back later and look over that stuff. But as you're, as you're, if you have your Bible, with you, you'll notice that there's a couple of different headings that are in this, and and um, these headings were not original to the to the manuscript. They really are just a resource for us to understand what Paul is about to speak about. And so, in verses 17 through 20, above it, uh, it probably says a warning to Rome or um, something, final instructions, and that's really where we're going to focus today. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read these uh, verses to you. They will be on the screen. If uh, you don't have uh, your Bible with you, that's fine. You can follow along with me. So Paul says this as he's closing up this letter uh, to the church in Rome. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, and so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Now, I think this is an odd place for Paul to put this uh, warning, this kind of closing message. You know, he's, he's writing a letter to them. He's about to wrap it up. He's actually sent some final greetings. And then he includes this advice moment, this um, advice that's important for every Christian that was hearing this letter. And I think it's as important for us as well, um, that, that people should be on the watch out for those who would intentionally lead Christians into some form of false teaching. Okay. Now, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the current uh, Christian zeitgeist. Uh, there's a rumbling right now in the Christian world that's been going on for a few years. And uh, this is a, a time when there are leaders who are actively calling out false teachers and leaders like what Paul was advising the Church of Rome on. And, and I find it interesting because there, there are numerous podcasts, books, and Christian leaders who are standing up against false teachers, arrogant leaders, and narcissistic um, teachers within the church. And I, I don't know how long this is going to last or, um, you know, how long we're going to continue hearing these kinds of things, but it certainly is an appropriate time for us to study this, this moment in, in Romans 16. And, and, and I love it because Paul actually includes these same kind of warnings in other parts of the Bible and other letters that he's written to various churches. If you're interested at all in a reference list of, of the things that I am talking about, whether it's podcast books or other leaders, please email me, jeremy at questvineyard.org, and I'll send you a list of those things so that you can listen to them or read them or, or see what I'm talking about a little bit more. Um, but in all honesty, for me, I, I think this is actually a, a chirotic moment. I think that, that God is stirring up truth in many Christian leaders as a way for the church to ready themselves for this particular season. And I, I know that God is always doing that. He's always stirring and he's always leading and communicating with his people. But I just think that there's this, um, it's interesting to me that there's this synthesis of thought right now around false teachers. 
So what this means for you and me is that we need to listen to the words of Paul and we really need to live them out. And I'm, I'm going to give you the punchline for my message today. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Romans, this letter that Paul wrote to the Roman church, Romans is a quintessential book for us to study in order that we might be able to identify false teaching. This is a book, it's, it's concise, it's direct, it's clear, and it's close to, um, it's as close to a systematic theology um, that we could find in the Bible. That is, uh, Romans can be used as a guidepost to test any teaching that we hear against it. So we'll know if what we're hearing from a pulpit is really words from God or, or it's true to God's word, if it's orthodox or not. Now, I understand that you may be, you know, uh, listening to me, and you're probably asking yourself, why are you responsible for this? Why is it, you know, not on me or on Ross or Wendy uh, to to you know have to do this? I mean, our pastors, right, are the ones who are supposed to be doing this. And and I, I'm going to say this is a good question, but here's my answer: simply, uh, you need to have a grounded understanding of what is correct biblical th- thinking and teaching, because anyone. And I include myself in this. I include Ross in this. I include anybody who comes up and stands in this place and teaches the Bible is potentially or possibly guilty of false teaching. And they may not mean to teach falsely or false doctrine, but it can happen. Or there could be teachers like what Paul is referencing here that are actively working to lead people away from sound teaching in order to appease themselves. So we have to be on our guard. We have to be curiously thinking about what we're hearing and and then applying it to Scripture. This was Paul's recommendation to the church in Rome, to be wise, right? To understand what what is right and true. So as a community of believers, this responsibility is on us. We have to listen to teaching. We have to discern if it's valid. And then we have to toss it out if it's not. And, I mean, honestly, this is not really unlike any other area of our lives, except Christian teaching, however, is of the utmost importance. It it, it will be by the church and through the church that our world experiences reconciliation. With Christ in us, our lives individually and collectively will lead others to um, an understanding with eternal impact. And this is the weightiness of what we're talking about today. And I, I, don't, I don't mean to make it heavy. It, it, just, it just kind of is. And, and so um, I apologize for that. But it's a good thing, right? And we, we should take our faith seriously. Paul took it seriously. Jesus took it seriously. Peter, James, and John, all of the apostles, they took it seriously because they understood what was at stake. And, and I think the hard part for us is that sometimes we lose perspective. I mean, there are so many things in our lives that are actually important. Things that, that you know, we, we have to pay attention to, but realistically, they can sometimes only serve as a distraction from what is most important, and that is life with Jesus. So what we choose in this life, it has eternal implications. What we believe, how we live, what we teach our children... The things, these things, they either lead to life everlasting or they lead to death and a departure from God, the creator of everything. So it's vital for us to make certain that we are listening to people who are sound and orthodox teachers. Orthodox means that they're teaching theology that lines up with scripture that's accepted as true and right. So 
Um, for me, as a member of this community, and I've been blessed to be here 11 years, I know a couple of things about the people here in this church, and I'm so thankful. I know how um, you are a people of purpose, you're a people with intentionality, you're independent thinkers. You want what's best for your family, what's best for this community, and what's best for this church, and you will do whatever you can to circumvent any false teaching and avoid any unnecessary harm that might come from someone who would stand up here and try to lead people astray. So this this text in Romans is very important for us because it gives us some very precise indicators to help us discern uh, what faulty teaching is. So let's, let's dig into this text. We're going to start in verse 17. Here Paul is admonishing the Christians to look out for those people who are laying out obstacles for believers. Now, he doesn't acknowledge a specific group of false teachers or any specific false teaching in particular. Um, and so this seems to be more of a generalized encouragement from Paul to the church. And this was true in many of the other letters that he wrote. You can see that in Ephesians. You can see it in Corinthians as well. Uh, So what that does is it leads us to take this message, this warning, and apply it to any threat of false teaching that exists here in our own day. So this text indicates that this is um, referring to false teaching within the church. And I, I make that distinction because we will always experience people who are trying to lead us away from Christ outside of the church. There are numerous, plenty of teachings that are out there that are going to try and distract us from what Christ has for us. And, and, and so just so you can be a part of my mind, um, you can think uh, like any teaching that is uh, counter to Christianity. So, right, Islam, uh, Buddhism, uh, you know, atheism, uh, Marxism, these things will try and steal away from us the blessings that Christ has for us. But Paul, what he is specifically referring to in Romans uh, chapter 16 are teachings that happen within the church. These are things that are maybe a little more subtle, maybe a little bit more coy in a way, um, but they ultimately lead Christians down a path um, to unorthodoxy. See, these are, these are things that sound like something that Jesus or Paul might have preached, but instead they point somewhere else. So he uses this language then in verse 18, that these false teachers, they're not serving Christ, uh, but they're actually serving their own appetites. They're looking out for themselves, for what they are interested in. And they use smooth talk and flattery, which ultimately leads to division within the church. And this right here is the framework that we need to use to consider when we are evaluating what is true, sound teaching. So when we hear teaching and we recognize that the motivation of that teaching is to not bring glory to God or to encourage the church, this should be a red flag for us. It's an indication that the person delivering the message is concerned only with themselves, right? They're they're concerned about what matters to them. They're preoccupied with their own interests. Douglas uh, J. Moo, he's a theologian. He's a professor of New Testament at Wheaton College Graduate School. He says this about false teachers. He says, Pride is often their root sin. More status, more prestige, and publicity come to the people who teach new or strange things than to those who plod along uh, and following the lines of truth laid down in the scripture and in the history of the church. 
Now, I find this interesting uh, what Dr. Mu is, is talking about. It, it almost makes it sound like uh, the teaching of the Bible or teaching the Bible is something that is mundane as we plot along thinking about the teachings that have been around for centuries. But I suspect that that's not at all what um, Dr. Mu is saying. I think the deeper truth is uh, that the gospel message of Jesus is wildly interesting on its own. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? It's two. Um, you got that right. You're, we're all tallying up my coffees right now, so we can hold Ian accountable for this. Um, okay. Uh, technically, that's three, because I got some in the first service, too. Man, I'm going to be over-caffeinated next week. Woohoo! I'm going to say that again, though, because I I may have distracted from this really good, interesting, and important point. The gospel message of Jesus is wildly interesting on its own. That means that when, when we teach the gospel message of Jesus, we don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to dress it up or make it sound interesting that the, the call of Christ to radical life, to radical living, to sacrificial living, to servant leadership is enough on its own to compel people. That if we're true to it, that people are going to be drawn to what Christ is calling them to. So we have to be faithful to teach the gospel in its fullest and truest way. Now, personally, amen. I I came across a version of false teaching uh, in my own spiritual journey. And uh, I had an experience right out of college. I was working in my first um, uh, pastoral position in youth ministry, and I was, I was a part of this movement of God that was happening in a couple dozen um, lives of teenagers. They were coming to Christ. It was really an amazing thing. But as that happened, uh, some of the folks who were a part of the church didn't want these new converts, these new Christian teenagers, uh, to be rubbing elbows with their kids. They thought that they would become bad influences. And for me, this was a really difficult moment because I'm looking at what God is doing and how he's changing lives and the potential that's there. And, and I'm being told I can't do it anymore. And, and so I, I ended up, I was already planning to leave that church and, and head to seminary. And so it just helped that exit become a little bit easier for me. Um, but I was, I was frustrated. I was confused. It was a little bit of a jarring moment. So when I set out to seminary, I told myself I would never work for a church like that again. And once I got to, to school, I found this other church that was so deeply interested in, in introducing the gospel to as many people as possible. And I was, I was sucked in quickly. I was so fascinated that there were people who were, they would, They would sacrifice so much in order to share the gospel with others. But as I was getting involved in this ministry, I started hearing these stories, these folks who would come from other churches to this church where I was. And and they would say that, um, you know, they were taught that their other church wasn't good enough to bring them into the kingdom of God appropriately. And I, I started hearing this, and I thought, this is strange. In fact, I knew, I knew some, some seminary friends who were going to this church, and they were making their, you know, their commitment to, to Christ their first time. Even though they had already committed to ministry and to, uh, to a life of biblical training, they were coming to this church, and they were giving their life to Jesus for the first time. And I thought, this, there's something wrong here. This isn't, this isn't right. 
And, um, and so I don't know if you hear what I'm saying, but essentially this church was teaching that the only way to experience salvation was at the hands of this church. There, there, were, there were even comments that the only place that God was moving was in this particular church. And that's patently false and unbiblical teaching. And it was, it was meant to meet the needs of this particular leader and to build his own kingdom. You hear that, right? And it was easy for this leader to continue on the path because most of the people in his church were brand new believers. They were young Christians, and and so they they were falling for this. And, And those who would challenge him, they were asked to leave or they would leave on their own. So this this leader, he was he was teaching and elevating only a part of the gospel. Was it incorrect? No, not necessarily. It's good for us. Jesus calls us to share the gospel and invite more people into this amazing way of life. But it was incomplete. And ultimately what it led to was spiritual abuse and manipulation. He, he, he used his ability and giftedness as a communicator to convince people that his message was true. And of course, hear me, there's, there's nothing wrong with good communication. But when quality rhetoric when linguistic prowess or funny illustrations and carefully crafted sermons replace orthodoxy and truth, there is a problem. And I I know that people gravitate toward um, elaborate and fancy presentations. We want to see good presentations. We want to hear well-crafted messages. But often when when we're in those moments, we, we, we sometimes can neglect to consider the actual content of the message. So you and I, we have the responsibility to critically think about uh, the teaching that's going on in front of us. And, and that takes intentionality, it takes thought, it takes wisdom, and it takes discernment. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that every Chris, uh, Christian presentation or sermon needs to be dull or basic. You're not going to hear me say that for the next 30 weeks you're going to be bored out of your mind when you come to this church. That's not what I'm saying. Trust me. All right. I know that God has blessed so many people with wonderful gifts of creativity. And he wants to use those gifts to communicate his gospel message as much as possible. But whenever those messages are, 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 are being adorned by those creative things, but the, the message ultimately is inaccurate or it's truthless, then really that's just a thin veneer on a pile of garbage. Or I'm from Texas, and uh, what we used to say was it's just lipstick on a pig. Right? Can I get an amen? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I, I, that one, uh, if you, that, whatever, okay. That one didn't count, Ian. Don't worry about it. We can, we can spot this stuff. We can spot uh, false teaching uh, when we think about who is the one who's getting the glory. Is it the speaker? Is he building his platform? Is he building his own agenda? Uh, does, it, does it put dollars into to their pockets? Or is God the one who's getting glory? Is it the body of Christ that's being built up? Or... Is it possible or are we starting to see divisions that are coming up within the church? See, these are the things that are markers of false teaching. Enmity and strife, they're common with false teaching. One of the more common common and obvious ways to spot a false teacher is by what their followers tend to communicate. When people talk about how their church is the best church or the, the best local expression of church, it's a good clue 
that there's some bad teaching going on. And you might be thinking to yourself, there's no way anyone would say that. There's no way that's happening. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, it happens quite a bit. The gospel of Jesus is one of, uh, of love and unity and encouragement. It's not one of division. See, we hear these things because so many of us are looking for strong leadership. Right? We're drawn to that. We, we trust that the men and women who claim to be of God are who they actually say they are. And, and this ultimately leads to what Paul references in, in, in verse 19. The Roman Christians, they were known, um, their reputation was that of obedience. They were innocent. They wanted to please the Lord. And a false teacher could take advantage of them unless they were wise as well. So let me read verse 19 again. I think this is really important for us to hear. Everyone has heard about your obedience, and so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Once again, the Roman Christians were known for their obedience. It was the reputation that went before them. And Paul is rejoicing because this is a, a wonderful trait to have. I, for me, especially um, you know, after so many years of youth ministry and, and as a father, when I meet someone who's got a characteristic of obedience, man, I am, I'm drawn to that person. I love that person. <laughs> you know, I, like when we go away on a trip uh, as a youth group, like an overnighter, you know, I, for me, I, I just want, I want students who will obey the rules. My, my typical rules are, number one, don't die. And then the second one is follow all the rules that I've already given you. And, uh, and if they can obey that, I'm happy. I'm like, that's peace for me, right? Um, <laughs> that's true. So Paul, he's using this in verse 19 as an encouragement, but, but he's also warning them. See, obedience can be blind, and Paul subtly warns them that their their other kind of um, about their other kind of innocence, this this kind that lacks wisdom and discernment about truth and error. They should not be so simple-minded that they swallow whatever teaching is offered. It's this phrase that he uses about being wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. It's very similar to um, uh, a saying that Jesus spoke when he was teaching Matthew 10 verse 16 he says that um, that we need to be as wise as servants and innocent as doves and I think this is a beautiful way to exhort the Roman Christians I mean he's ultimately speaking to their readiness he's saying you need to be ready with the gospel and 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 ready to discern the teaching you need to be ready for what the enemy may use to destroy your faith and you need to be ready in your response to false teachers now, I personally don't know a ton about snakes. Frankly, I've spent most of my life uh, trying to avoid snakes. Um, uh, growing up, I, I, once again, I grew up in Texas. Uh, one thing they say about Texans is that you should never um, ask, well, you should never ask a person where they're from because if they're from Texas, they'll tell you. And uh, if they're not, you don't want to embarrass them. And so that's the second that's the second time I've told you I'm from Texas. But Texas, growing up there, there were, there were snakes everywhere, rattlesnakes on the ground. And you had to watch out for them in the water. We've got water moccasins. And so I was always trying to avoid them, but I rarely saw them. And, and that, that really has much more to do with the snake rather than anything else. And, um, and so for who, those who don't know, snakes, are they don't like to be seen. They, they are quite adept at camouflaging themselves. Um, they, they become 
like their surroundings. And, and most times people who have encounters with snakes, it's because they, they run into them or over them. In fact, I've got an image of a snake here. I don't know if you can see it. There is a snake in this picture. And uh, uh, can anyone spot it? By a show of hands, can you spot it? Anyone? Anyone? I've got, so here's the image of where it is. This is blown up, this next image here. There's the snake, of course, in that. And that is um, right in the middle of this other one. It Snakes, they make themselves invisible. Do you guys see that? Even it's hard to see in the, in the blown up image. Um, it's, a, it's kind of got an S image there. Um, so what we need to learn from this is that uh, wisdom is like we, we use wisdom to observe and, and to be aware of the people or teachers around us. That, that we, we are proactive to be able to respond quickly to a situation. That we need to be intelligent and make judgments based on what we know to be true. King Solomon, he tells us in Proverbs 4, verses 5 and 6, he says, Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, that's wisdom, and she will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. So going back to this reference to snakes, snakes are intelligent, they're observant, and they're prepared to respond to danger. So being, being wise in, in what is good is similar. There's a, a knowledge about what correct thinking is, and, and, and it, can, it can spot incorrect teaching. Wise people observe the situations that they're in, and they assess them for what they actually are rather than what they want them to be. Wisdom helps us to appropriately respond no matter what's happening around us. On the other hand, doves are quite peaceful. They're social, they're loyal, they're consistent. They don't like upheaval or disruptions. And so when Paul is saying to be wise in what is good and innocent as what is evil, or, or Jesus saying be wise as serpents or innocent as doves, to be innocent to what is evil is like a dove, that, that we want to avoid things that cause division, that we don't want to participate in things that harm others, that, that we are obedient than to the teachings of Jesus. And, and these two things together, wise and innocent, they help us to stay on a path that leads to Christ. So when we spot a false teacher or we hear false teaching, our response matters. We have to correct it, but we have to do it in love and we have to seek peace in that. In essence, what Paul is communicating with this final word is for the church in Rome to understand that there is a very real danger for the church. There are evil people and ideas fighting to dismantle the body of Christ. That was certainly true for them, and it's also true for us. And often, those things, they come subtly in ways that we are attracted to because of our own brokenness. We seek out strong and decisive leadership because it's attractive and it frees us up from having to do some of that extra work. You know, we, we like to listen to messages that appeal to our senses because we want to be moved. And, and sometimes the message that comes from Scripture, it challenges our world's view, um, our worldview in an uncomfortable way. And so we like a communicator who might sidestep some of those difficult teachings of Jesus. Now, followers of Jesus, they recognize that this is a life of calling and of sacrifice. 
you and I know that we, we give up the ways of the world in order to follow Jesus. So when someone comes along in, in the name of Jesus and they're preaching a gospel of passion and purpose, it's easy for us to be blind to the fact that they are not building a kingdom of God, but rather a kingdom of their own making. It's, it's, it's one of our purposes as followers of Jesus to learn to recognize these pitfalls for the church. It's our responsibility to be wise, to be innocent. And rarely do false teachers make it easy for us to spot their ways. But the more that we lean into the word of God, the more frequently we will see those charlatans for who they are. This is why Paul wrote this letter um, to the church in Rome. He knew of their obedience. He knew of their innocence, and he, he knew that they would likely submit. And so he gave them a framework of theology to establish boundaries for right and correct thinking. Paul and the other apostles, through their experience with Jesus, they understood what they witnessed in his life, and they, and, and, and they knew that they needed to provide an appropriate framework for how to follow Jesus. And, and this was an agreed-upon and consistent teaching. That's what we have in Romans. Honestly, this is how we receive the Bible that we read today. The early church fathers, they did the same thing. They deliberated over what was going to go into this book, and they had criteria and characteristics that the text had to have. And so when someone comes along and tries to influence or introduce new teaching or a new text, we should all be wise um, as to how we receive it, if at all. See, as growing and maturing Christians... I want to encourage us to come back again and again to this text of Romans. These are, these are my marching orders today. Let this be a text that is written on our hearts, that, that shapes our thinking, that, that creates a framework for what is true and good when it comes to the teachings of Christ. Let it be a primary source that we compare all other teaching to. to and, and let the things that are written here they, they, these are critical and immovable things. They are, they are necessary and they're good. So let us write them on our hearts. Amen? Amen. There it is. That's good. Four. Today, today I want to close with this. This is um, actually at the very end of Romans 16. This is Paul's final blessing that he prayed over the church of Rome. And, and so I want to I say it as a blessing to us today. This is known as the doxology. And so I'm going to have you stand up. Uh, and then after I read this blessing, we're going to close in a final word or a final song of worship. So this is Paul's blessing to the church in Rome. He says this. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel... And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery uh, that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship, church. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, 
Go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org slash give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.